Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. They expected from me because they were like 20 years older than me at least you know and uh but i just like wait a second you're like homecoming queen you're starting quarterback you've shared like what what are you doing why are we even here you guys were were you passionately in love oh we were at one time I'm like well then go find that passion go find it make your make your life a beautiful rom-com with a happy ending if you know what i mean romance comedy right like make it a, Make it happy. Like, you, this doesn't, this moment doesn't have to define who you are. You can turn this around. You were in love. Jesus said, when we fall out of love with him, he said, return to your first love and do those things that are your first love. So it stands to reason in a struggling so marriage, that's what you should do. The way to avoid lusting after other people is to be in love with the one you're married to. And the way to be in love with the one you're married to is to pray for them, to encourage them, and want to be with them. And think about ideas, how you can, like, think about them and what you can do for them. And, and marriage is meant to be so beautiful and so special. And those who think it is and choose to make it such, well, that's exactly what they get. A beautiful, special marriage. And whether it's a first marriage or a second marriage or a third marriage, once you decide that you're all in and this is the way you want it to be and make it beautiful and make it a work of art, then that's what you get to be. Now, obviously, lots of people get married, get divorced, and don't get remarried. And some of you are here tonight. This, there's nothing here meant to condemn you. We don't, build our, we don't beat ourselves up for a yesterday we can't change, right? So don't do that. Don't do that. And one final thought, it talks about divorce here, where it says, uh, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Uh, but if he div- divorces except for his sexual morality, he causes her to commit adultery. The thing that jumps out at me is not so much that he causes her to commit adultery, but the phrase causes her. And again, in life, you'll see this, but in ministry, you see it a lot. There is a cause and effect of divorce. I'm a child of divorce. My wife is a child of divorce. There is a cause and effect of divorce. There's a cause and effect from infidelity on the marriage, on the children, there is a cause and effect. My sister and all of her challenges that she's had in her life and whatnot. My sister was, when I was 17, when my parents got divorced, my sister was 11. So it was really hard on her. And my parents had been married for 20 years. And both my parents were always plagued by guilt toward my sister. And Barbie learned, like many kids do, how to leverage that. She leveraged that guilt for benefits as she got older. And, you know... When Barbie said, oh, daddy, my dad's like, pull out the checkbook. Because he always felt guilty that, you know, she was the one. Me, he's like, you were just a selfish 17-year-old. You're on your own. My dad loves me, of course, but, like, it wasn't the same. There was a cause and effect. And it shows up. The shortcomings in marriage, they show up. 
And we know in the book of Genesis, we see the sins of the parents become reflective in the sins of the children. This is the key. Once you decide that there's a new beginning for you and where you're at in your marriage or how you're going to approach marriage, then you write your story. I don't have to, res- I don't have to, uh, my parents are alcoholics. I don't have to be an alcoholic. I chose to quit drinking 35 years ago. I chose never to have alcohol be a part of my marriage. And it's a great decision because life's hard enough when you can think straight. At least it is for me, right? You don't, you, you know, you define, you define, you define. Once you accept responsibility and self-determination for your soul, for your purity, for your marriage, for your children, you, you define it. And you write that story. And if you don't like the way the story is going, say, I'm done with this book. This is done. We're going to write, we're going to write a new story. We're starting over. So for me, with the adultery, the key is to be proactively toward the purity and the things that you want to do anyways and why you're in love in the first place and the way God's designed us to be. If you choose the right thing and you keep your life on offense favorably, then you're going to avoid the wrong things that put you on defense disfavorably that cause a negative cause and effect on your marriage and the people you love. And someone you loved enough to marry. And again, if you've experienced divorce and maybe you divorced someone or they divorced you and, and everyone... In the human experience... I've said this earlier yet. I'm not surprised. People getting divorced doesn't surprise me. It, really what surprises me, people staying together the longer I've lived. Because you have to really humble yourself and serve others to really make it in marriage. You have to become more self-sacrificing as you get older. And once you're an empty nester, your wife's not messing around. Either shape up or figure it out. Because there's no more kids restraining in this show right here. Get your act together. Because a marriage goes through seasons. Just like your life. And you want to get stronger from glory to glory. There's a cause and effect for the negative, and there's a cause and effect for the positive. And that's my exhortation to us. Now we read on to the third one. The third one is your oaths, your words. So verse 33. Again, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all. Neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no, for whatever is more than this is from the evil one. You younger people, listen to me carefully. The credibility of your, the credibility of your words, the credibility of your words, serves you well your entire lifetime. And as older people will tell you, when your word is valid, and when you speak, and it's valid to your spouses if you're married, and you speak, and it's valid to your children when they're younger, and when they're teenagers, and when they're adults, when you speak, and you say things, and you make commitments, and you keep those commitments of time, energy, and resources, you build equity. And you build the, the, the rarest of equities. It's an equity of credibility or a man of your word. And they are hard to find. And once you tarnish that, it's hard to reclaim it. With Jesus, everything is yes and amen. It's yes, yes, or it's no, no. There's no shot of turning with the father of lights. 
So all the promises of God are yes and amen. So when I get up here and listen, there's four pillars of every service in my mind when I'm teaching. You know, it's the authority of the word of God and it's the promises of God is one of them and, the, and that we're all headed for eternity. That's another one. But in every cell of my body, no matter what passage of scripture I'm teaching, Nehemiah, Ezra, Matthew, whatever it could be, when I'm talking about the promises of God, I'm telling you, in every cell of my body, and that's a lot of them, I believe they're all yes and amen. And I believe there's no shadow of turning. When I, when I quote promises to you that all things work together for good, or he's coming again in the clouds with, in great glory, I mean it, and I believe it, which is good for me and it's good for you, because who wants a pastor in the pulpit doesn't believe the promises of God? But I really, truly believe the promises of God. If you're on your deathbed and you're going to go in the next 12 hours and I tell you Jesus is coming for you, he's promised it, he's going to come and he's, he's going to receive you in glory to put on, this mortal must put on immortality. I mean it. I'm not playing religion. I didn't get saved and called the ministry to, to play pastor. I believe those promises. When we're singing these songs with Jeff or Danny or Danny or Giovanna, whoever's leading us in worship, they're singing songs we're singing songs of heaven and truth and power. And I'm singing because I, they're true and I believe them. Our lives in Christ are built around Jesus being our chief cornerstone and the rock. And he's a sure rock and we know that he will never, first of all, there's no skewed character in him. God is light and him is no darkness at all. And we know that what he promises he'll bring to pass. And I may not know how all these things with his return, because I've been thinking about his return lately, like a lot of people. I'm like, okay, Matthew 24, Ezekiel, and this and that, and Zechariah. You're like, how's it work? How's it look? You know, I was like, oh, Megiddo, this, that, you know, Mount of Olives, and, you know, and, huh, you know, like, listen, he just said be watching and be ready so I can keep my theology simple. But he's coming back. He will reign. We just read right here. It's, what did Jesus just call, call Jerusalem? The city of the king. Who's the king? He's the king. He's the king, the great king. So we come here and we are 100% certain of the promises from Genesis to Revelation. And then we go out there and we reflect Christ in our home, in relationships, in our neighborhood, at work, in the community. So since our life is built around this consistent truth that God never changes, there's no shadow of turning, that's how we want to be. And if we've lost credibility in certain ways, we want to get it back. That famous financial book written 100 years ago, The Richest Man in Babylon, one of the principles that comes up there, it's like allegories, it's a fascinating book. It's one of the all-time bestsellers of the last 100 years. But uh, The Richest Man in Babylon tells a story where there was all this debt. He, he borrowed money from everybody, and he owed everybody money, and eventually he had to leave Babylon because he owed everybody money, and he couldn't run into anybody because he owed everybody money. And he promised to do this and promised to pay back that way. We've all seen this person. We know this person. And he goes away to Syria and is sold into slavery, but eventually gets his freedom, comes back, and goes back to everyone who owes money and said, I'm going to restore it all and make it right. And that's one of the principles from the richest man in Babylon is that as you begin to make things right, you build credibility in those in strange relationships are restored. My sister's a classic example because my sister was in and out of jail, owed lots of people lots of money, defaults on all kinds of bills. But as I settled her accounts, people were very happy to get part of something. 
Because we all know that part of something is better than all of nothing. And you making a sincere effort that way to make something straight that was crooked based upon your words is honorable. And credit card companies and I just, in ministry, I had some people tell me, like, well, the banks make so much money, the credit card people, they, they know they're charging, charging us 22% interest, and hey, if you want to try and negotiate with them, that's your business, switch to another card for 7.5% interest, well, you won't get that today, but that's your business. But when you put your name on a piece of paper, if you're going to borrow money from the banks on this credit card at this interest rate, then that's what you do. If you put down a deposit... And then you renege, then you say goodbye to the deposit. It goes to money heaven. Because it isn't about the money, it's about the heart. And it's so important that our words are credible. Not, there might be different standards for different people. And banks do settle. And they, they're desperate and they do certain things and whatever. But we're not being measured before the throne of God by Bank of America. We're being measured by the word of God and Jesus being our savior and being a disciple. It's to our benefit to hold ourselves accountable to our words being truth. And if our words are true and reliable, they become a compass that everyone can build their life around. The people we love and the people that come and go in our life. They can know when you, as a woman, walk in the room that what you say is true and valid and they can build their life around it. Because then when you share the gospel, since everything else is true and valid, you give credibility to the gospel because you're true and valid. And as a man of God, it's the same thing. That equity of credibility is just huge. And it's most huge not with the people closest to you, but the person you see in the mirror. Because if anything will raise your sense of self-worth in a positive way, it's going to be knowing, as Shakespeare said, to thy own self be true. And when we're true to our words... It's just this equity that has so much power and authority for time, and it sure shines on the day of the Lord in eternity. We don't need to swear by the gold of this or the Jerusalem and this and that and everything else. Man, less is more. When you, can, when you with surrounded by your generations of family or your peers and all these people, when you say something and it, everyone knows what you say comes to pass, man, that is the ultimate equity it's kind of a, if you have purity, you will have that equity. It's just a great equity to have. It's something that happens in secret, but it was revealed publicly in how you carry yourself. So worship generation, man, well, he said there in verse 33, you've heard him say this, but he says, his response is, I take it deeper. Just let your yes be yes, and your no be no. We don't need to swear by Jerusalem or anything else. Just just let everyone know that when you say this is the way it is, that's the way it is, and you're going to do it. You sign on the dotted line, you give the deposit, you pay this, and you're going to do it. You loan, you borrowed money, and you're going to pay it back, and you're going to, if it's struggling, but you're going to say, let's do this, let's figure it out. Hold yourself accountable to a higher standard. Verse 38, now we get the fourth one. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your coat, your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. 
Well, this is an interesting one because since the Bible tells us to be very careful about lending money, we got to use Scripture to interpret Scripture. But I don't want to take away from the power of this passage either. Because Jesus says, you've heard it said this, and the whole idea behind an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is to restrain retribution on the back end. So the eye for an eye is just justice. It's, it's getting justice. It's retribution to get justice, but it's a restraint because instead of us getting an eye for an eye, when someone pokes one eye out, we want to take two of theirs out. So the whole idea is really a restraint, but it is retribution, justice. We want, ret- we want justice that's proper retribution, an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. So Jesus says, you've heard that in the Old Testament, you've heard that in the law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, when someone slaps you on the cheek, give them the other cheek. Now, there's other things that he says here, but that phrase is one we in our culture, I think, are familiar with, right? How many times have we heard, turn the other cheek? That is hard to do. Because there's a lot of bullies in the world. And they'll, they'll bully you. And they will they'll slap you on the cheek. And it's hard. It's hard to turn the other cheek. How hard is it? Well, you'll know when you get slapped on the cheek. Because the natural woman, the natural man, doesn't want to turn to the other side. But the spiritual man and the spiritual woman can catch their breath and turn the cheek to the other side. And in doing so, we show that our standard of humanity and our quality of person is much higher than the average son of Adam and daughter of Eve. See, this is what really separates kingdom characteristics from the world. Any fool, any son of Adam, any daughter of Eve can be slapped on the cheek and respond with a slap on the cheek back. In God's kingdom which is the one that matters. And in God's economy, which is the one that matters. On the day of the Lord, on the day of the Lord, what looks better? Taking this one and giving one back or taking this one and turning the other cheek. And in many cases, that will diffuse the situation. It was Abraham Lincoln who said, the ultimate thing to do with your enemies is turn them into your friends. And we find that sometimes when you turn the other cheek, that might be the very opportunity that turns things around, and moves that situation favorably where that person is no longer your enemy but your friend. It doesn't always go that way. But again, it's about who you see in the mirror, who you live with, your person, and who you're going to be on the day of the Lord. See, we want to think about the finished product on the day of the Lord, when you stand before the Lord. The character attributes and the work of the Spirit in your life, we're thinking about the finished product, who you are on the day of the Lord. And if you really can complete this journey, and there is testimony, there's video replays of you getting this, however it might really happen, whether it's verbally or whatever, but and turn the other cheek, I'm telling you, for you and for me, on the day of the Lord, that's going to look a lot better. Anyone can just throw a haymaker in response. It's a higher quality human being. It's the quality of the kingdom human being that can turn the other cheek because that's what Jesus did. I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not saying I'm signing up for it. But I have learned when you turn the other cheek, well, I promise you this. If you turn the other cheek, I promise you your character is moving toward Christ. If you 
respond by clocking them in the other cheek, however you can, however you would. I cannot promise you fruit for the day of the Lord from that. But if you turn the other cheek, I can promise you fruit. And since fruit in eternity is stewardship and things entrusted to us in eternity, I promise you more in eternity by turning the cheek in time. But I can't turn the cheek for you. You can't turn the cheek for me. And you can't go 10 years in the human experience without someone clocking you on the cheek one way or another. So if you feel like you failed opportunities in the past, you might, you might be certain if you live long enough, you'll get another one in the future. But there's, there's a higher quality human. There's a spirit-filled woman that can do that, and there's a spirit-filled man that can do that, and that's what we aspire to. And then the last one is here in verse 43. You have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do you not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So now here he's quoting a couple Old Testament passages from the law, which is really distinction of cultures, especially the Jews and the Gentiles. So you'll love your neighbor, the Jew, because they're your brother. The Gentiles, you'll hate them, because they're going to try and destroy you, and they're your enemy. But in the gospel, in the New Testament, we understand that the gospel is a good news for all nations, that Jesus died for all people. I just love this phrase here where it says, do, the, do good, verse 44. Do good to those who hate you. It's kind of like turning the other cheek, but it's a little bit different. Turning the other cheek is not responding in wrath. Doing good to those who hate you is initiating grace. See the difference? See, if you get popped in the chops and you don't respond, that's... That's having mercy, especially if you could respond and make it worse on them than made it on you. But to do good to those who hate you is really grace. Like now you're taking the initiative. They didn't pop you in the chops or crack you one on the cheek, but you're, you're initiating a good thing. You're doing good for them. And it's, it's always a good thing to do good things for others, including your enemies. You can never go wrong in doing good before the eyes of the Lord and the human experience. You can definitely go wrong in doing bad. And so I just love how Jesus said, it's a higher standard. It's just a higher standard, worship generation. That's what Jesus is teaching here, that with the murder and the temptation for anger and hatred, just, you got to get after it. With adultery, you got to guard your heart and be going for the right things so you avoid the wrong things. With our word, it needs to be credible. We don't need to swear on this and swear on that. Yes is yes, and it's the greatest of all equities in your life to have that credibility with people, your word. And then turning the other cheek, it shows that we don't need to avenge ourselves. We trust the Lord to bring justice, and we know, well, as Pastor Chuck Smith used to say, you can avenge yourself, but God can do a much better job. So it's better to let him just do it. And I, I always remember him saying, I'm like, well, that makes sense to me. And so I would just encourage us yet again tonight on this final thing with loving your enemies. This is what separates us from the world. I'm not saying it's easy to do. In fact, I'm saying it's quite hard to do. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And through humility and dependency upon the Lord and empowerment by his spirit, he'll see us through. Because I promise you this, 
We know that Jesus Christ is this person. Jesus Christ is perfect and did those things that always pleased the Father. So this description, he fulfilled. He did it. And we know that he gives us his, his spirit and his power to fulfill the things he has for us. So though we may never reach perfection in this life, it's not a bad idea to esteem to improve on all of these things on a daily basis, right? Wouldn't we agree? Wouldn't we agree we want to move toward glory to glory? And so five things of what you heard this, but now it's, this is what I really say to you, and it goes deeper. And it goes deeper because it's a higher quality human, and it's the character of God. And so, Lord, help us to be that person as we continue our journey to the last day. Yes, and amen. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.